Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Conan, Hall of Volta, which was chosen as this episode's game by Patreon supporters like Olav Hope, C-Dubs, and Alan Hennessy. If you'd like to help pick the next episode's game or just support my creative endeavors, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and sign up today. Volta was published for the Commodore 64 in 1984 by Datasoft. It is a game for one player that uses joystick controls. We have discussed the history of Datasoft on previous episodes, dating all the way back to episode number three, in which we covered the game Bruce Lee. Um, games, uh, that they released for the Commodore 64 included Pole Position, Mr. Do, Dig Dug, Zaxxon. They were very big in porting arcade games over to the computer until they started picking up other licenses. They did the games Bruce Lee, they did this, they did Zorro, they did Goonies. So those are kind of the two types of games that Datasoft is most known for. They also did the never-ending story, which is not the never-ending game. Otherwise, we would all still be playing it. is a platform slash puzzle game. The goal is to work your way through all seven levels to finally find and defeat the evil Volta. This is definitely a game of the 80s, and what I mean by that is that each level is not straightforward. You will be spending a lot of time figuring out how to solve puzzles and sometimes figuring out what is going on as well. While you're working on solving the puzzles, you'll also have to avoid the many enemies that are placed within this game. This game was released in 1984 to coincide with the release of the second Conan movie, which was Conan the Destroyer, also released in 1984. Conan was a character created by Robert E. Howard. It was originally, he, Conan, originally made his appearance in a bunch of short stories written by Howard. Uh, they appeared in Weird Tales magazine back in 1932. Howard wrote a total of 21 short stories featuring Conan the Barbarian. Uh, after those stories were published, Conan was dormant for a long time uh, until it was picked back up by Marvel Comics. They brought Conan back in the 1970s, and that kind of brought Conan back to the public lexicon until we got the movie Conan the Barbarian, released in 1982, starring the infamous Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan the Barbarian. 
On the front of the box, we have a large picture of Conan the Barbarian from the second movie. In the second movie, Conan the Destroyer, he got a unique headset, and you can see him wearing that on the front cover. We have the Conan logo and, of course, the Datasoft logo. And we do see the note that this is part of the Famous Faces series, which was the games from Datasoft that were based on a single person like Bruce Lee and Zorro. Those are all included in this same series series. On the back of the box, we get some information about the game. At the top, we have, again, the Conan logo. If you've not seen the logo, it's a uh, very chrome or gold letters that say Conan, and then there is a large sword that goes all the way through the letters. Uh, the back of the box says, grab your sword, flex your muscles as you enter the world of almighty Conan, prepare to battle the most deadly foes known to man. Your mission is to find and slay awesome creatures in a quest of wealth and glory. Deep within the chambers of an ancient castle, you'll battle glowing flame monsters, fierce dragons, giant floating eyes, electric demons, and lethal leapers. Your setting for battle is just as deadly. You'll leap over hot, bubbling lava pits and run from scorching flame monsters. Trapdoors are waiting to swallow you up. Floating ledges may at times help you or demolish you. Poisonous scorpions and giant ants creep through the pathways. Hungry bats seek to devour you. You really get a uh, idea here of what Conan is going to be up against. Down at the bottom, it says, If you can find the keys and unlock the doors of these evil chambers, you'll fight for your life as deadly stars are hurled at you and vicious dragonflies zoom towards you. Your power sword is your savior if you have the strength left to use it. Then it says, Features, Surrealistic Gameplay, Loads of exciting, challenging screens, intense battle action. And then we have the little picture. It says uh, Famous Faces again. The Famous Faces logo is, you know, that uh, kind of like the Hollywood sign where uh, it's an outline of the letters and then there are light bulbs inside the letters. It looks like that. The letters are red with little light bulbs inside. It says Famous Faces. So you're supposed to get the idea that this is tied, you know, to a, a Hollywood license. And then, of course, at the bottom, we have Datasoft. There's also a Datasoft's logo. There is a screenshot of Conan the game. And there's a, a mistake that I read that appears on the box, but I don't see it on the copy of the box that I'm looking at. The trivia that I read said that the picture came from a beta version of the game when the graphics weren't uh, quite the same as the final release. But on the Commodore one, maybe they had updated it by that point. The manual is a two-page manual, front and back. Uh, we'll go over what's in the back side of the manual later throughout the episode. But on the front side, this is where we get the backstory of what's going on in this game. As the heroic mighty Conan, your goal is to find and destroy the villainous Volta. Your journey takes you deep within an ancient castle inhabited by frightful creatures and filled with deadly traps. While searching for Volta... 
your battle will oh you battle your way through seven levels. Each level introduces you to different foes and different dangers. You will encounter fierce dragons, glowing flame monsters, giant floating eyeballs, electric spark creatures, and lethal leapers. The primary objective in each level is to obtain gems, place them in gem holders, and then find the key to unlock the door to the next level. The exit from each level is indicated by a flashing arrow. You must determine the safest and quickest way to to the exit. You can walk, run, jump, and fall from any height without harm, but must avoid falling within pools of water, lava pits, fire pits, or the spike pit. You can also climb ladders and by hurling your powerful sword, demolish your enemies. If a sword reappears once it has been thrown, you can capture it again and add it back to your reserve. Some foes will not be destroyed when struck by your sword. You have one friend, a large bird, who keeps watch over you throughout your quest. He appears in some levels to aid you, touch him, and you will receive an extra life. And eventually, he will help you to destroy the evil Volta. So that's the story of the game. Uh, We know that there are going to be seven levels, which I want to talk about. Um, and basically you're going to use your sword to defeat these enemies. And there's going to be a lot of things to avoid on each plat or on each level. I do like the quote. You have one friend, a large bird, (laughs) like shouldn't the bird have a name like, you know, Hawk, Hawkness, <laughs> Hawknator, the giant bird. I mean, just anything, just not just, you know, lowercase a giant bird. Um, also, there's a lot of talk of throwing swords. We're going to talk about that as we get into the game, but that is a strange detail that I'm not sure Conan was ever actually known for. As we load the game, of course, we get that Datasoft presents Conan. The sword comes flying in through the side and goes through the Conan logo. So that's the the official Conan logo that is, it appears many times here. It's on the box, it's in the manual, it's on the game screen. So it's all uh, tied together, you know, uniform kind of theme. They're getting the most uh, out of their license money there. And then we have a picture of the castle. This is the castle that Conan will be entering and working his way through. Uh, on the next screen, it's kind of an animated screen. We see Conan outside the castle that we're about to enter, and he runs and does a flip over a little geyser onto a drawbridge and then runs into the castle. And so uh, this is, what's interesting to me is that this came out the same year as Impossible Mission. I don't know if it came out before or after Impossible Mission, but Impossible Mission is the game I think of the most. If you said, what's a platform game where you run and whenever you jump, you do flips, I would think of Impossible Mission. I don't think of Conan, but but it's the same, uh, uh, you know, same type of approach here. So, Once the game starts, we can see the game screen. We will see that it is a platform-style game, and we have Conan down on the bottom right. So this is one of those games in the 80s where they hadn't really made consistent gameplay yet. And so in this game, for the most part, 
you're working your way from right to left, which feels very awkward. It doesn't feel like the way a platform game should play. We have, over the years, become accustomed to always moving from left to right. So uh, in any game where you're moving from right to left, it always feels just a little weird. Now, on the bottom of the screen, there's a small area. Uh, there you can see what your score is, how many lives you have left, what level we're on, and how many swords you have remaining, and if you're carrying anything in your inventory like a gym or anything like that. The first thing, if you especially if you're familiar with the Apple II, that you will notice is that this game basically sticks to the Apple II uh, color scheme. The colors that appear on the screen are purple and green, and there's a, a little bit of orange, like Conan's hair is bright orange for some reason. Uh, you'll also notice that the sprites really flicker, especially Conan. As you run around the level, it's a very flickering game. And um, both of these things kind of uh, let out a little secret, which is Conan was originally released on the Apple II. And so when they ported it, they literally tried their hardest to make it look like the Apple II version uh, and not to their benefit. It doesn't look great. The color scheme is very odd. Uh, you know, I mean, I think you have water and then you have the, the lava, which is orange, but the Commodore has red. You could put red lava down there. And then a lot of the things that appear on the level are purple. So when you're playing it, even on a Commodore 64, it really resembles an Apple II game. I don't know anything about the underlying code, but all the flickering makes me wonder if they didn't use some of the original source code from the Apple II and just try to convert how it was written for the Apple II and make it run that same way on the Commodore 64 instead of leveraging things like the Commodore 64 sprites, which would have obviously made this game look a lot better. Now, uh, the controls are pretty simple. Your joystick makes Conan run left and right, climb up and down ladders. And then when you press diagonal right and diagonal left, that is how you jump. Of course, Conan, again, doesn't jump. He just performs forward flips. Uh, the joystick button will throw your sword, and it is described in certain places as a boomerang sword. So if you throw the sword and nothing's there, I guess it comes back. Uh, Conan is not known for owning a boomerang sword. We'll talk about that uh, in just a minute. And once the game begins, uh, we realize that what you have to do is you'll see gems located little, they look like little diamonds. You'll see, uh, there might just be one or a couple on each level. And then there's a little pedestal and that is a gem holder. So what you have to do is get the gems, put the gems on the gem holders. And once all of those are done, a key will be revealed. Then you need to get the key and go to the exit and go to the next level. Now, again, this is part puzzle game and part action game. The action comes into place when avoiding the monsters. There will be monsters that you can, sometimes you can jump over them, you can attack them with the sword, sometimes you can simply avoid them, but the monsters give it that type of action feel. But it's also a puzzle game, and it's not only a puzzle game, I would say that the, a good, um, what's a way to put this, a good puzzle game is trying to figure out how to solve a puzzle. 
But a bad puzzle game, in my opinion, is trying to figure out what the puzzle is or what you're looking at. And so as you advance through this game, there are multiple levels where it's not entirely clear what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, obviously that ultimate goal is to get a gym and put it in the gym holder, but each level is so different that what you've learned on the previous level probably won't help you on the next level. You just spend a lot of time in this game figuring out what is going on and what you're supposed to be doing. One of the selling points that's listed on this game is that the game contains seven diverse levels. So the game, when you begin, you're Conan, you're down at that bottom right-hand corner, you gotta work your way up to the top left-hand corner. There's only one enemy on the first screen and it's a bat, and the bat flies, uh, you know, a, a pretty predictable pattern. So avoiding the bat's not that hard. And when you get to the next screen, the level changes from level one to level two. So all of a sudden, when that happens, you realize that this game doesn't really have seven levels. It has seven screens. That's it. So... As you make your way through the game, each screen, level two, level three, the uh, Volta, who's the ultimate bad guy that you have to face and defeat, is on screen seven, level seven. So I watched multiple walkthroughs of this on YouTube this week, and the longest one was about 15 minutes long. I think the shortest one was a little bit less than 10 minutes. So this game does not take a long time to beat and play through all the way. Uh, as far as strategy, the manual contains several hints on how to beat levels. But what's interesting, and this, again, kind of demonstrates what type of game this is, it doesn't have gameplay hints. It doesn't say, you know, to defeat this monster, try this. Or one thing Conan might be able to do is this. It's not those kind of hints. The hints have to do with specific levels, and they just explain what you're looking at and what you're supposed to be doing. You know, I think it says like on one level, it says, Hey, by the way, these platforms will get you here and there. Uh, so be sure to do that. So, I mean, it's, it's not, again, it's not the type of hints, uh, that you would say, Oh, this helps the gameplay or something. It's, it's literally describing what you're looking at. Uh, the game doesn't have a timer, per se, and almost all of the creatures are pattern-based. The bats fly in a specific pattern over and over. Um, the uh, characters that appear like on levels two and three that are roaming the platform just start on one side and they will go all the way to the other side and come back. So um, if you just watch the levels, that would be my, my biggest advice, is just watch the levels and see where the creatures are going to appear and how they're walking, and then that's most of uh, what you know to avoid them. The manual covers the score of every single thing that happens in this game. Everything you do in this game gives you some points. So I'm not going to go through and read them all, but the low ones are like 500 points for picking up a sword. When you defeat enemies, they are anything from 1,000 points to 2,500 points. Getting the key is a thousand points. Each gym you pick up is 5,000 points. So like I said, everything that you do in this game, other than there's no points for walking or jumping. <laughs> That's the only thing you can do that doesn't get you points. Unlocking the door at the end of the level is 2,500 points. 
Uh, and then you get a thousand points times the level for beating the level. So if you beat level three, that's 3,000. Level four is 4,000, so on and so forth. And you also, uh, when you beat the game, you get 20,000 points times however many lives you have left at the end of the game. Now, I've kind of alluded to the fact that this game doesn't seem very much like a Conan game. First of all, the enemy that you're facing at the end of the game is the evil Volta, or villainous Volta, it says. But Volta does not appear in any Conan movie, comic book, or anything like that. Uh, also, Conan in this game throws swords and that work like boomerangs, and that's not something that he used to do. Uh, also, he has orange hair. I don't know if that's a, a programming limitation or what, but there's a lot of things in this game uh, and in fact, other than the fact that the opening title screen says Conan, there's not much in this game that resembles Conan. And the reason is, is because this wasn't a Conan game. This game was originally called Visigoth, and it was about a boomerang-throwing warrior. So apparently when uh, Datasoft got the license for Conan, they acquired this game. They took the Visigoth title off and then they put the Conan license on. And then, of course, you know, back then, it's not like you would make a game, like on a, think of a modern PS4, PS5 game that would be a Conan game. The graphics would all look like Conan. And so if you were going to change that to be some other person or another genre of game, someone would have to go change all those graphics. But in this era, 1984, in this game specifically, the, the guy just looks like a guy. He just It's just a guy with long hair. And I think the only graphic that they changed was they updated the boomerang to be a sword. That's really the only difference. Um, it's funny that all this talk about boomerangs reminds me of Outback Steakhouse. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Welcome, friends, to the Sprite Castle Dining Hall. We've got a dinner lined up, and some of my favorite friends are here. Mr. Wacky, BPG, and Lewis Gornfield have all shown up. Now, my wife has started this diet for the two of us. We started it on the new year, and we are only eating unprocessed foods. And she asked me, if it would be okay to serve our guests unprocessed foods, which I guess. And so tonight she has made for us a giant pot of venison chili. You know, I like chili and I think you can put just about any kind of meat in there. But venison is something that ancient barbarians, including Conan the Barbarian, used to eat. So she's made a, by the way, venison is deer, <laughs> if you didn't know that. So we have a giant pot of venison chili that we are sharing here around the dining hall. While everybody is getting their bowls filled, I'll tell you a few of the games that I have been playing and something I have been doing on the Commodore 64 over the past couple of weeks. A couple of the new Commodore 64 games that I've been playing, one was called Delve Deeper, which is a roguelike style game. There's lots and lots of roguelike games still being released today on the Commodore 64. And I love roguelike games because I loved Rogue. So uh, Delve Deeper is one if you like those uh, style of games. There's also China Miner, which I guess is an older platform game that has been updated and released for the Commodore 64. And another fun game I was playing is called Forest Saver. It's a bright 
really colorful one screen kind of game. It's really fun. And you have to save these trees in the forest from, uh, uh, you know, being cut down and things. So it's really fun. It's a really cute little game. If you want a little arcade style fun game, check out Forest Saver. There's also a new release of Dig Dug, which is weird because we just had another release of Dig Dug last month. So, uh, you know, we had the Atari Soft Dig Dug way back from the 1980s that was okay, but it didn't look very much like the arcade version. The, the ratio was off. And uh, so we have the uh, we have that Dig Dug game released uh, last month, and now we have a new Dig Dug game released in December. So um, <clears throat> definitely worth playing. I love Dig Dug. Now, the other thing I've been spending my time doing over the past week specifically is a new firmware has been released for the Ultimate 64. I believe it works on some of the 1541 Ultimates as well. This is firmware update version 3.11, and for the first time, this adds Wi-Fi to the Ultimate 64. Now, those of us that have had an Ultimate 64 or a 1541 Ultimate for a long time haven't relied on the Wi-Fi. I didn't. I just dragged a network cable over there and was using it that way. But for the first time now, you can do Wi-Fi. So there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, you can connect to uh, BBSs through the Wi-Fi. You could transfer files back and forth. You could connect to Assembly 64 over Wi-Fi. It really does open a whole new uh, way of accessing the Ultimate uh, 1541 and the Ultimate 64. So uh, if you have one of those devices, be sure to go check out. I, I think mostly I get my information about the Ultimate 64 from Facebook. There's a Facebook group for it. Uh, and you can find a link to the new firmware update version 3.11 that adds Wi-Fi. If you'd like to join us some night in the Sprite Castle Dining Hall or would like to help pick which games I'll be reviewing, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. While everyone is finishing up their chili... Let's get back to this episode's game. The reviews for Conan started pretty positively. The uh, computer and video game magazine gave it a 9 out of 10. Commodore user gave it 4 out of 5. That's at 80%. Your Commodore gave it at 80%. In later years, it hasn't fared so well. Lemon64 currently has a rating of 5.7%, which is more, I would say, in line with my opinion of the game. But Zap was the outlier back in the day. When Zap reviewed this game, they gave it a 28%. And they pointed out all the things that I've pointed out, that there are only seven screens in the game, that the graphics aren't very good, that the graphics flicker a lot. Um, they commented that the music was okay, but it wasn't really as good as some of the other music coming out at the time. And that the game got too hard. The difficulty level ramps up from being very easy to very difficult in only a few screens. So I agree with all those things. I think 28% is a little harsh of a review, but I definitely understand the points that they made. As I mentioned, uh, this game was originally released for the Apple II. That's why I guess the color scheme is the same as the Apple II version. It was ported to the Commodore 64 and also makes an appearance on the Atari 8-bit systems. If you'd like to own a copy of Conan, uh, it's not the cheapest game, but it's not super expensive. You could get an original disc and manual bundled together on eBay for about $20. A complete version will cost you about $50. So that is a little expensive. I don't think that reflects 
the quality of the game. I think that's probably for Conan collectors or Arnold Schwarzenegger collectors uh, that are paying those types of prices. And now let's talk about my personal memories of the game Conan. memory of the game Conan Hall of Volta is that it was not called Conan Hall of Volta. The game itself just says Conan on the title screen. The manual says Conan and the box says Conan. Now it does say Hall of Volta in part of the opening scroll when the game's playing, but nobody called this game Conan Hall of Volta. Everybody called it Conan. So I'm not sure that seems like a retroactive title that has been applied to it uh, but it's not, nobody ever called this game Conan Hall of Volta back in the day. Everyone just called it Conan or Conan the Barbarian. Now, I originally played this game on an Apple II for the first time. We had it when we had our Apple II. And when I got my Commodore 64, I downloaded a copy of this game and played it and was really taken back on how bad it looked. Now, it is a fun game. The puzzles are fun to figure out, and the, the creatures are fun to try to fight and avoid. And, and just getting to each level and knowing that there's only seven, that kind of gives you incentive to keep going. But, you know, just the fact that it looked like an Apple II game, like the Commodore 64 was supposed to be superior. It was supposed to use 16 colors, not, you know, just the the four or five that are on that the this game's palette. And it should have, I mean, it does have better sound, I guess, but it just doesn't really feel like a Commodore 64 game. It feels like an Apple II game playing on a Commodore 64. So that is my biggest memory of this game. The other thing, even though the box clearly says it has the famous faces uh, branding, that's not a branding I'm familiar with. I don't remember anybody calling these games that. I guess it kind of makes sense because it's only mentioned on the box and not within the game itself. And of course, my friends and I did not own the box to this game. We only had the game because we had downloaded it. Here is a funny Conan story from my childhood that I was just thinking about. Uh, when I was in middle school, high school, I think I was in 10th grade, I think is when this happened, maybe 11th grade. Uh, but we had a book report assignment where we had to pick a classic novel from a list of classic novels, read it, and then do a book report. You remember those days from high school. And so I had picked a book, and I don't remember for the life of me what I picked, but whatever it was, I hadn't started it, and I had planned on reading it the weekend, over a weekend, because the homework, the book report was due on Monday, and I forgot the book at school. So I didn't bring the book home, I hadn't read the book, and I really needed to do a book review. So I mentioned it to my dad, and he said, you know, we have a large collection of books. My parents both had lots of paperback books. And he said, we have Conan, we, you know, so you could just, uh, that's a, that's a classic, right? I said, yeah, why not? You know, so I just read Conan and I wrote a book report about that. So I went to school on Monday and I turned in my book report. And the first thing the teacher said was, that's not a classic book. And I said, yeah, it is. Well, you know, yeah, it's a classic. Conan's a classic. And then she said, well, it's not a classic that was on my list. 
And I said, well, you know, I, I would, uh, just say that, you, you know, I, I don't remember what I said, but I think I said something like, well, you know, your, your list didn't include a lot of classics, you know? So she did return the paper to me and I got a zero on the book report and I did not want to let that stand. So instead what I did was wrote a petition <laughs> and I wrote this, you know, I don't know, five paragraph theme on what constitutes a classic book. And, uh, you know, I, I think I said something like just because the book is short, that doesn't mean it shouldn't be a classic, you know, classics are not based on length. And I said, you know, look at the dictionary. The dictionary is huge, but that's not a classic novel. So we can't gauge classic novels just on their, their length. And I had, you know, all these, these rebuttal arguments, uh, that I put in here. And then I took it to all my friends and I had them sign it. <laughs> so I had all my friends, uh, sign this thing and I turned that into the teacher. And based on that, she allowed me to redo it and read one of the books off her list, but I was not allowed uh, to read Conan that did not, uh, that did not fly. So it was a, it was a valiant effort. And I tried to drag Conan into the, uh, pantheon of classic novels, but as far as she was concerned, not a classic. For graphics, I give Conan a three out of five boomerang swords. And to be honest with you, that's being pretty lenient. I could almost go with a two or a two and a half. The graphics are okay. You can see what's going on, but the color scheme is so gaudy and it looks exactly like an Apple II game. Sound effects, I will give it two out of five. There aren't very many sound effects and the ones that are here are pretty simplistic. For music, I'll give it a four out of five. There's music playing throughout all the levels. You can turn the music on and off by pressing S for sound. Uh, but the music is pretty good. It's not over repetitive and it's pretty enjoyable. Overall, I'm going to give Conan a three out of five. I think it's worth checking out. I think it's a fun game uh, to try and figure out the puzzles and figure out the ways around the enemies, but it does get tedious pretty fast. The difficulty level ramps up really fast, so you, you might get frustrated and not make it very far in the game. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server or leave a message on the podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. Conan was selected as this episode's game by Patreon supporters like John Morrison, Joshua Eckroth, and Retro Trace. If you'd like to help pick games for future episodes or be featured on an episode of Sprite Castle, read behind-the-scenes blog posts, watch weekly videos, get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and receive other additional perks, support tiers start at just $2 a month. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle is available on all major podcast providers, including the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. More details about all my shows are available at podcast.robohara.com. 
News and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to praising Krom, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.